Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after Kansas beat Colorado 72 to 58. And that was a dominant performance for 40 minutes. Uh, before we dive into some of the specifics of what we'll be talking about today, um, just to give you an idea of what to expect from the pod, we'll focus mostly on some big picture stuff. Uh, I talked a little bit on the last podcast about Kansas' blueprint going forward after the Maui Invitational. I kind of wanted to follow up on that and uh, talk a little bit about Kansas' defense and then kind of transition a little bit into the offense and a big picture uh, view as Kansas kind of gets into the last half of its non-conference schedule before the start of Big 12 play. Um, but starting off, you know, talking about the game specifically, I think it was very much an encapsulation of what you've seen from Kansas defensively um, the past couple of games. It's a lot of uh, a lot of three-pointers from the op- from the opposing teams. That's something that's really stood out to me, and that's something that I wrote about this past week uh, after the media availability on Thursday was how opponents have been trying to attack KU, and last night was no different. Uh, Colorado shot a lot of threes. Uh, I believe that it was 34 of their 60 uh, shot attempts were from behind the three-point arc. Um, that's just another team that has shot near 50% uh, of their shots from behind the three-point arc. And I think what you're seeing from teams attacking KU is a, a little bit of two things. Is First of all, uh, KU is making it really hard for teams to get into their stuff. Tad Boyle, the Colorado head coach, said this after the game uh, last night in just for some perspective, recording this around 7.30 on Sunday. Uh, but he said last night that Kansas was so good defensively that they just couldn't get inside the arc consistently. And when they did throw it into the post, for example, you know Kansas would throw some double teams at them and make them get them back out on the perimeter. So Boyle felt like his team settled for a lot of three-point shots. Um, now that maybe looks a little bit different than what maybe you saw from a Dayton team or a BYU team earlier in the season. Uh, back in Maui, when they kind of looked like they were more willingly, you know, pulling up and shooting three pointers against KU, Dayton especially. But what you saw last night was just a really solid defensive team from on Kansas side. Uh, you look at that run that they had to start the game, where they held Colorado. I believe it would have been uh, scoreless or field goalless for a good chunk of the start of the game. Uh, it's just it starts with Marcus Garrett on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he's the guy that. Ojai Baji at least said after the game that sets the tone. And I think you saw that uh, in the game Saturday. And that's something that I think you've seen this season as well with Marcus Garrett is the way that he defends and the tenacity with which he defends and the and the variance of the guys that he's going to be taking on on the defensive end. You know, you think about the guys that he's taken on this year. Uh, Bay from Colorado is a national player of the year contender. You know, Marcus Garrett did his part in slowing him down and holding him to only one of three shooting from the field and five points. I mean, this is a guy that is averaging in double digits. You know, he's a, a solid player, and Marcus Garrett did his part in slowing him down. And from there, you know, it, it feeds to the rest of the team. And I think you see that with Marcus when he starts getting his hand on balls, hands in the passing lanes, it feeds off on Devon Dotson. I think you saw, you know, I think Marcus Garrett got the first steal of game, and then Devon Dotson came up with another one uh, soon after. Now, I've not had the chance to ask Devon if that's exactly what happens, where he feels like he gets the energy from Marcus, but Ojai Baji has at least said that he feels like Marcus Garrett sets the tone for the defense. So going forward for Kansas, you know, I feel like this is one of the things where you're going to see Bill Self from here on out basically say, okay, who is the opposing team's best player? If they're not a center or they're not like you know 6'10 and huge, then Marcus Garrett is going to guard him. 
You know, Obi Toppin from Dayton is a six nine versatile four man. Marcus Gare was go guarding him. You know, when they played back in Maui. Uh, you think about last year in that preseason NIT tournament, uh, the way that Marcus Garrett shut down, or sorry, that would have been Devon Dotson shut down. That's just another aspect of the defense. But Marcus Garrett is someone that can shut guys down, and then that ripples off into the rest of the team. You know, Devon Dotson mentioning Mar- Marcus Howard. Uh, Devon Dotson's a guy that can shut opposing point guards down. And Ochai Abaji on the wing, you know, someone that maybe uh, can have a couple mental lapses uh, on you know in transition and a couple times on defense, but for the most part, you know Ochai athletically can stay with just about any wing uh, that you th- you think that KU could face this season. And especially with Ochai, how many times have you seen him block shots where guys you know try and draw contact you know and try and take away the ability to block the shot by getting up into Abaji's body, but his athleticism allows him to get up above guys and block them. Uh, so this is all to show, you know, that Kansas is a good defensive team on the perimeter and what that is forcing teams to do. And especially in the case of against Colorado is shooting more of those three pointers, you know, 48% of team shots against KU have been from the three point line. And yet, you know, they're only shooting just under 30% on those shots, you know, good for 83rd of the nation for KU. So KU's done a really good job of protecting the three point line. But going forward, you wonder if, you know, what teams are going to be able to catch fire against KU and the types of players that could hurt KU. You think of a guy like Brady Manick for Oklahoma, who has hurt KU in the past with his three-point shooting. He's someone that comes to mind of someone that can maybe give Kansas troubles uh, in the Big 12 at least. But in terms of, you know, Kansas' defensive potential on the three-point line, you know, if they can continue to shut teams down, that's going to only help them because they are such a good offensive rebounding team and such a good defensive rebounding team that teams aren't going to get extra possessions against KU, and KU should be able to get more extra possessions against these other teams, especially if they are trying to attack KU in that small ball lineup. Now, you look to the interior of the defense and what Yudoka Azubuke does from the inside. Uh, Tad Boyle, again, talks about how they were kind of afraid to drive at Doak just because of how big of a presence he is. He alters a lot of shots, regardless if he gets his hand on them. You know, he makes point guards and wings think about him when he's when he is down there in the paint. You know, David McCormick and Silvio DeSosa are great big men. You know, they have potential and they do certain things well. But in terms of just a physical presence inside, Doak is just on another level than those two. And I think that, that shows when he's on the floor. Now, this is something that Scott wrote about uh, after the game last night was the play of Isaiah Moss on the defensive end. And he does feel like, you know, Marcus Garrett is definitely the glue guy for the team, but Isaiah Moss might be the glue guy for the defense, especially if they're going to continue to play the four guard lineup in crunch time. You know, if you were to look on paper at the team, you'd probably say uh, Isaiah Moss, or at least in, you know, the, that four guard lineup that we see with, you know, Devon, Marcus, Ochai. Isaiah Moss and Doak, you would probably pinpoint Isaiah Moss as being the guy that is the defensive, not liability, but just the defensive weak link. And I think what you've seen now in the past couple of games is he does look like he's getting his legs back. You know, he missed late night in the fog with the hamstring injury, missed the Duke game with the hamstring injury. Uh, it's something that's hampered him, you know, early on in this season. But it does feel like, you know, against Dayton and against Colorado, it does look like he was starting to get that step back. Uh, and that explosion, and you see him running off screens and diving for loose balls. It doesn't feel like there's much timidness there with his hamstring and the way that he's using it. So if he can continue to you know take strides forward defensively, and Bill Self has said that when he watched him at Iowa, 
that he was impressed with how hard he played on the defensive end. And I think you will continue to see, you know, Isaiah Moss play hard on the defensive end and be a, a pretty solid piece on that end of the court as his hamstring kind of gets back to 100% and he gets more comfortable kind of going full throttle with it. Now, you mentioned the three point, uh, the three pointers and the way that teams have tried to attack KU uh, on the offensive end. Uh, something that is a little concerning right now would be the amount of threes that KU is attempting per game. Uh, it's not a lot uh, against Colorado. They were only able to shoot. They shot 13, made six, which for KU, you know, you think about, <laughs> it's so funny. You, you think about years past, you know, making six threes when Devontae and Sfee were in your backcourt, you know, that was a pretty disappointing game. Whereas now, you know, Bill Self said after the game that Kansas makes, you know, six threes and everyone's kind of rejoicing and it's a positive thing. Uh, that is something that needs to, not necessarily get worked on, but that KU is going to need to work through. And I think that that starts with Devon Dotson. He's someone that's not necessarily shot a ton of threes this season. Um, he's averaging you know, 4.3 a game. I thought that he would honestly be with the amount of usage that he gets. I thought that he'd be uh, up where, you know, near the five and a half, six threes a game mark, uh, just because his importance in the pick and roll and spacing the floor for KU. Now, something surprising for me, you know, looking at some of the numbers for Ochai was that he actually leads the team in three-point attempts per game. Uh, he actually hasn't shot a terrible percentage this season, but those are kind of the two guys because Isaiah Moss is going to shoot his threes and he's going to make his threes at a 45%, you know, 42 to 47%, somewhere in that range at that sort of clip. So you know what you're going to get from Isaiah Moss, even if it he has had some weird performances. You know, think about Dayton outside of the final buzzer beater that he chucked. He didn't attempt a shot and didn't attempt a three, yet his impact is still felt on the offensive end. So you know what you're getting from Isaiah Moss, but it's on Devon Dotson and Ochai to be those guys, those secondary shooters outside of Moss, you know, when he's uh, spacing the floor on the strong side corner or off of pin downs, you know, uh, Devon's got to be able to search for that shot and not necessarily try and force those because he hasn't shot the ball well this season, uh, just under 30%. But he's someone that is going to have to step it up from behind the three-point line, you know, for his own draft stock as well. If you think about it from a next-level perspective of what he needs to show this season, that's one of the things that he needs to work on is those three-point shots. Uh, for Ochai, you know, the Colorado game has served some significance for him. Uh, his four threes were the most he's made since early February when KU beat Oklahoma State at home. Now, it, for those of you that were maybe watching the game on TV at that point. Uh, the broadcast showed a, a a picture of Ochai with a goose uh, at the end of his hand, showing you know his follow through, and it was some, a joke that Fran made. After that point, Ochai until the Colorado game shot something under thirty percent. I want to say it was like about twenty seven, twenty six uh, percent from three. And for him to finally get back in that rhythm, and you saw him you know make some tough shots from the three point line in the second half. You think about the one where he got called for a flop uh, when the guy kind of barrels into him, uh, the quick release corner three that he had for the second three of the game. You know, he's got to show more confidence and be able to have a quick trigger uh, and be able to not necessarily hang on to those tough performances for Kansas to be successful uh, on the offensive end. Now, from just a big picture of the team perspective, uh, going into the last half or the last little week, uh, week or two of conference play, uh, some big things that I'll be looking for, the three-point line in the way that Kansas shoots from behind it. be interesting to see if teams continue to try and exploit Kansas from behind the three-point line. 
Uh, you think about you know University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, uh, that'll be coming uh, to Allen Fieldhouse on Tuesday. Then you play uh, Kansas City in KC at the Sprint Center uh, next Saturday, and then after that, you're getting to the Villanova game. Uh, which may be another uh, pretty good test for KU on the road as a part of that home and home with KU playing at home last season. Uh, so those are some things going forward: is how you know Kansas defensively, how they're going to look, especially in something like that Villanova game where you know Villanova is going to be a little bit more perimeter oriented and just a tougher opponent than the next two that Kansas has. You know, you respect every team, but they are you know cupcake games for KU. So I wouldn't want to take too much defensively, maybe from these two games or the next week. But into that Villanova game, in that Stanford game, uh, in Palo Alto after that, and then into Big 12 play. And that's when the real stuff starts. And I think that for KU, you've seen some real positive strides through non-conference play, especially with the way that they have looked with two bigs. No, it has not been pretty by any means, but it sure as heck looks a lot better than it did back when KU was playing some of its early non-con games. Uh, you know, it did not look good then. But now it does feel like things are looking better. Uh, they do still look stagnant at times. It depends, you know, with David McCormick in there, if he's making those mid-range shots that you saw early on against Colorado. But it feels like for Kansas, you know, if they can buy five, six minutes at the beginning of the game and five, six minutes out of halftime in those two big looks, just for the time being, while they do still continue to work it out, I think you take that as a win for KU, especially if they can kind of take those minutes as a as a maybe a, a small positive and then you try and break the game open with that four-guard lineup around Doak. Uh, and then from the bench, you know, you really do need Christian Brown to start stepping up. Uh, you know, Bill Self has talked about him as being one of the better shooters on the team. And if Kansas isn't going to have a ton of guys shooting threes, Christian Brown is going to be a, a de facto guy that when he's in there, he's going to have to make those shots. And he has to improve on the defensive end, uh, knowing where he needs to be on offense. Some things that, you know, you would expect from a, a freshman that is probably going to play for at least three years at KU. So he's someone that's got to step up. Tristan Anaruna has been really impressive uh, in stretches, but it feels like kind of towards the back half of Maui and even against Colorado that he maybe wasn't as present uh, and didn't maybe make his presence felt as much as we've seen him. You think about his length on the defensive end, especially against uh, you know East Tennessee and the way that he was able to get his hands on, I think it was like eight balls. Uh, including you know just tip passes and and including steals, uh, so he's someone that's going to be really important for KU, especially you know in those small ball lineups. If Marcus Garrett does pick up fouls like we've seen in the last two games, he's someone that's going to get a lot of minutes, and he's shown that he can make big shots. You know, you think about the shot uh, against East Tennessee where it basically iced the game. You know, Kansas was going to win the game, but it basically kept them from you know having to sweat it out at the end. So, and on top of that, you know, Silvio it does feel like he's still just trying to adapt uh, to this role where he is either, you know, in there with four guards when he's got to guard an opposing center and he's got to be that rim protector. Uh, but then also when, when he's in there with either Dave or Doak, uh, he just hasn't looked necessarily all too comfortable this season on either end of the floor. So those are some things to look for kind of through the last couple of games of non-conference play and into big 12 play. I'm not too sure when we'll podcast again, but as always, if you like what you hear, leave a rating and review on iTunes. We really appreciate that. Uh, we've got all sorts of great content on Fog.net. National Signing Day is coming up for football. Uh, a pretty big visit weekend for KU. Ashad Clayton, a four-star running back, was on campus. So we'll have tons of really good content leading in National Signing Day. And, of course, tons of basketball content. 
Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain97. With that said, we'll talk to you probably sometime next week. Mm-hmm.